Welcome to the Fox River Podcast. Our mission is a heart for people and a message of Jesus. We hope you are encouraged in your faith through this message. Thanks for listening. Well, good morning, everybody. Uh, We believe that God has each of us here for a reason, and so welcome. Uh, True or false, the Lord Jesus Christ wants every one of his followers to be generous givers. Would you say that is true or false? Just say it out loud. Yeah, there's there's not a lot of debate that you'd have for that. And if you want to go to the scriptures, you go like, oh, there's a lot of verses that would talk about that as well. But really understanding the why is what is so critical in this. Not simply a what that way. Why would Jesus want every one of his followers to be generous givers? Well, Maybe one of the first and foremost reasons would be because Jesus knows that that's what it will take to be able to be like him. Jesus, our Lord, was a generous giver. And I think you'll catch this pattern really quickly. God the Father, God who so loved the world that gave his only begotten son, he was a generous giver. Jesus, when he said the Son of Man has come to give his life a ransom for many. I mean, Jesus for sure was a generous giver. The Holy Spirit, generous giver as he continues to pour out grace and help and peace and hope today. I mean, it is an attribute of God, this generous giving. But it's also a quality of Christ's likeness. In in other words, to be like Jesus. Now, when we think about generosity throughout the world, I mean, the United States of America is a generous country. We've been prosperous, and we do a lot to be able to send um, charity and help throughout the entire world. But if you were to put one of the wealthiest nations in all of the generosity, it's the leader in generosity in the world, if you were to put the United States of America, the government, up against the church that's in the United States of America and what the church is able to do worldwide for charity, who do you think comes out on top? The government or the church? Just take a, sh- take a shot. By far, like the church crushes it. Now like you go like, how can that be? Because of who it is that we follow. But that's not the only reason that Jesus would want us to be generous givers. It's also because he knows that it's the way of life. He knows that it's the way of blessing. In fact, I don't think you can get more succinct than what Proverbs tells us here when it says, One who is generous will be blessed. Jesus used these words, and he said, um, and I think we've heard these before, that it's more blessed to give than to receive. Now you think about that, you probably learned that lesson. So if I were to ask you, which would you rather be? Would you rather be one who is able to help another or the one that's on the receiving end of the help? Would you rather be the, the blessor or would you rather be the blessee? And I'm not saying being a blessee isn't a wonderful thing to do, but given the choice, which would you rather do? Blessor, blessee? Yeah, most of us, right? It's kind of like, well, I just gonna be the blesser. Why? It's not, a, it's not a place of power, but it's what it does for us and how that builds us up. See, Jesus knows that in generous giving, it's setting us up for more of God's working in our lives. And I think one other thing that's just right at the heart of why this is so important to Jesus for us, he knows that generous giving, it allows us to put God first and to keep God first in our lives. And it's a battle that I go through all the time. I'm sure it's a battle that you wrestle with at times in your life as well. 
Scripture says the purpose of tithing, I don't know if you're familiar with that term or not, tithing means 10%. The purpose of tithing was to put God first in our lives. Now, personally, I think this um, tithe or this 10% giving to put God first is really a gift from God. Because if you were just to ask me or if it came to be pressure on me and going like, how much do you need to give to put God first in your life? I mean, I'd be like, um, I don't know, like 5%, is it 10%, is it 25%? I mean, like, if he's first, does that mean I've got to give God 51%? I mean, he gets the first and then I'm after that. I could forever be wrestling or having this cloud of guilt over me, but God just put this, you know, this gift in front of us and said, would you trust me with your first 10% and then watch what I do in your life? Now, going back to Jesus, why? Why, is this, why does he want this for you? Why does he want it for me? Listen to these very, and I'm gonna call them strong words that are found, 1 Timothy chapter six. It starts out with this, command. Like, really, Command those who are rich in this present world. Now that same word command is the word that Jesus used when he commanded the unclean spirit to come out of a demon-possessed person. It's the same word that when Jesus commanded the wind and the waves to be still when they were ready to swamp the boat that the disciples were in. Strong, right? Command those that are rich in this present world. Don't be arrogant nor put your hope in wealth because it's so uncertain, but instead put your hope in God who richly provides us, get this, with everything for our enjoyment. Here we go again. Command them, do good, be rich in good deeds and be generous, willing to share. Why? Because in this way, you will lay up treasure for yourself as a firm foundation for the coming age. And so that you may take hold of a life that is truly life. Jesus says there is so much more to life. And when we learn as a giver to be able to enter into it, you're not going to want to go back. I don't have to persuade anybody at all that's a generous giver to go like, you know, it's a good thing to do that. Because truth of the matter is this, that you couldn't pay us right now not to be because we've learned this why that Jesus has for us. He's not trying to get something from us as if he needed something from us, but he so says, I want something for you. And generosity is a path to be able to get it. Now, if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, Jesus wouldn't be talking to you about generosity. Not that that's a bad thing, not that it doesn't help us in life, but what he would be saying is this, I want you to receive I want you to be a recipient of my generous giving to you. Jesus would very carefully explain what I've done. I have given myself, my death on the cross, my resurrection. I've done that so that you could receive. You could receive life. So that you could receive hope. So that you can receive help with the anxieties and the struggles that you're going with. So that you can get direction in some of the areas you're looking for in life, like in school and in marriage and relationships, etc. Jesus is going like, that's what I want for you. And so if you haven't opened yourself up to receive from Jesus, that's the first and the foremost thing that he would say, I want this for you. And I hope that you'll open yourself up to that today. The idea of generosity and generous giving, it really is critical 
to the series that we're in about Light the Way, as well as our 2025 um, vision that we put in front of us. We just started talking about this in October, and we'll throw it up here real quickly. And uh, rather than me just read it again, um, would you just join in? And if you're, you know, again, you're part of Fox River, like, hey, this is for all of us, so read it with me. Ready? Fox River will shine brightly as a city on a hill, led by 4,000 active disciples, individual beacons of light sharing the transformational message and life-changing power of Jesus with every family in our community as we welcome 2,000 new believers to faith by 2025. Now we look at those things and go like, well, we know that generous giving is a key part of it because Jesus said about these active disciples, if we are going to be an active follower of his, he has said that you need to continue with these dynamics in your life. Continue gathering in my name. Continue growing in me. Continue giving. There's that giving part of it right there. And I want you to continue going because that's what my followers are going to do. Also, it's critical to be able to do the Light the Way projects, these light magnifying projects that we have put before us, and I'll just talk about those before we finish up uh, today. Before we do that, today is an opportunity to be able to go like, but what would God say to us now? I mean, if God were saying, with this Light the Way in front of you, this initiative, here's what I want. And he's got some very, very specific instructions and principles for us to be able to take into our lives and then be able to open ourselves up to what he wants to do through that. Before we open those up, let me just take a moment to let Brian and Christina share their story about the journey of giving and generosity that, uh, that they've been on. So here it is. We've been together for 11 years. Yeah. 11 years, married for nine. Okay, got, got that. We have a four-year-old, two-year-old, and then one due in uh, end of November. So we, get, we get married. Our goal was to be able to be, her be able to stay home with kids. So we did all sorts of stuff. We, we did, uh, ran a construction company. We, we were for corporate, sold direct sales. Um, I don't know what else. We did all sorts of stuff. And then several years go by, and we're in 2017, and we're like, I got to make it. We got, we got to push this because we've been married four years at this point. So we bought two rentals or two flips and we're going to buy a bunch of rentals based off the money of flips. I had it all mapped out. I remember the night before the third large complex. I feel like, God, you really want me to do this? Because now I'm starting to question. Well, we got two flips that are losing money. I rentals losing money. I got my basic corporate income that I'm working 70 hours a week trying to make it happen. I vividly remember sitting at, at Fox River. It was Christmas time. Praying and praying and praying. How do we do this? How do we do this? And uh, all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just hit me with uh, this plan. We had to do two engineering jobs a week. We had to do one construction job a month. And I had to make $500 a week driving Uber. That's what we had. Plus, we're corporate. And those barely covered our bills. I drive Uber, too. And we would drive both Friday night and Saturday night all night. We could, sometimes we get home and the sun would be rising. We're like, oh man. Yeah. We'll do it to begin tomorrow. And right around that same time, we had three water heaters go out. Two were the apartments, and one was our personal one. So we did not have hot water for six weeks because we had money for two, not three. Right. So we would go to the gym, which made you work out. <laughs> go to the gym, shower, and you know, so drive an Uber and just making it work. And every once in a while, we'd stop and splurge for a cookie. 
Like that was like our thing. Like one cookie split. We got a buck nineteen big buddy in the trip, and that was a big deal. <laughs> but but all along that way, we kept time. And, and we did, and we, we we kept giving. We're learning more and more that God gives us the daily bread, not you know He doesn't store up all the manna for us. We get that little piece and. It leaves you hungry for the next bit. And just being able to have the foundation of faith between us too, we've definitely noticed that uh, God's always provided. Like It's not exactly how we want to see it. It's not been stress-free. It's been a lot of ups and a lot of downs, but it's but we've gotten, we've always been provided for. When I was pregnant driving Uber at nights and just, it was just crazy time, but that was when we started time. Look, look at poor me, I'm pregnant, driving Uber, we don't have any money. So she got lots of tips on it. We had no hot water We didn't have hot water. We had the two, two flips that weren't going well. So we were bleeding money every month in these things. And mm-hmm. We've been blessed with this house. This house, we have incredible God story. This house, incredible God story for the first house. So you, just, you can see it woven through, through in between when you look back. Now, when you're in the trenches, you don't see nothing. I can remember one night driving Uber, like it was... Working again, seventy hours a week. Uber, how many a week? And all the stuff. And um, uh, I'm in the third ward, driving and, uh, down through the third ward. And I like remember praying, like, "What do you want me to do, man? Like, this is the thing. Like, I, I don't know if you're supposed to talk to God that way, but that's how I talk to God. Like, man, what do you want me to do? This is, and I remember getting this is like, just and you don't get, I don't get lost. But once in a while, I just hear you're doing good. Okay, let's keep on keeping on. Let's keep on moving. So, we can definitely echo Paul when he writes in Philippians about, I know what it is to have enough and I know what it is to be in need. Yes. Right? Like that. And with the tithing, we always give God our first. And give right? God because first. Because as soon as it goes in the account, we move it over. We won't wait until later. We'll hopefully have some to give because we want to make God that priority. And we work to pay the rest of the bills or do whatever we have to do. But And there have been times when that tithing savings account has been very tempting. Right, you right. look at like, oh, like, oh, like I haven't just the God yet. No. <laughs> My money. Can we borrow from God? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, yeah, don't borrow from God. <laughs> <laughs> but then at the end of the year, because we just take 10% off the top right away. Um, so I remember looking a couple years ago at how much we gave. We're like, that little 10% added up to a lot. I wouldn't come up with that much money getting a lump sum. But mm-hmm. when you trust God and with, with the 90%, keep providing these opportunities. Like, this is. This works. I love the verse talking about testing God in that giving, right? Opening the floodgates, being able to really see that come true. And but it's taking that step first because you can't test it without stepping. We really felt God had promised us a house that was not, you know, the little shack we were in. But God had promised us something that we could minister to other people in and raise our family in. And it was a long waiting time, right? We were there for ten years before we came here. But knowing that that was coming and trusting and when sometimes things would fall through on other houses we wanted to try and get, knowing God's got a plan and it's going to be worth the wait. It was huge for us to be able to, to just trust, trust God. Me and saying thanks to Brian and Christina just for opening their lives up to us that way. And what is it that God has for us as followers of Jesus today? If you happen to have a Bible, I'm going to ask you to take it and go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. If you've got one on your phone and can pull that up there, please do that. I think it's going to be really helpful for you. You may want to take a couple of notes along the way as well. 
Now, when we're looking at the context, in other words, what is this that God is saying to us? What's surrounding it? What sets the whole thing up? Well, the setup for 1 Corinthians 16 is 1 Corinthians 15. I know, right? No duh, right? Like, you know, I could have figured that one out myself, guy. But 1 Corinthians 15, Paul thought the importance of the resurrection of Jesus and just going back and revisiting that was the most important thing that he could share with this particular church. And so he did. He starts out by saying, let me remind you about the gospel. And then he talks about the resurrection of Jesus and what had happened and the people and the events. He takes us back to that historical point in time. But then he says, and this is the result of that. And for 57 verses, he just opens up the resurrection and the impact that it has on an individual. He kind of wraps the chapter up with these words in verse 58. He says, therefore, in other words, because Jesus is risen, he goes, therefore, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Because you know, because Jesus is risen, you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. And it's like they're on this mountaintop and in the next breath, He speaks these words. He says, and now about the collection for the Lord's people. Now remember, there weren't, when Paul wrote this letter, there weren't chapters, there weren't verses that were in there. This is the very same line of thinking as he's talking about this moving forward because of what Jesus has done for them. The collection that he talks about there or the offering that's gonna go on. This is a special offering that he's bringing before these people. We know it because of the word that he uses. It's a word called legaya. And legaya always meant over and above. It was something that was unique to the normal offering. Paul knew that they were you know, generous people, that they were regular giving of their tithes and offerings, but he said, this is something special that I'm calling you up to. And I just wanna put in front of you. So we read. Now about the collection for the Lord's people. Do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Then when I arrive, I'll give letters of introduction to the men that you approve and send with them your gift to Jerusalem. If it seems advisable for me to go also, then they will accompany me as well. Four instructional principles that we have before us that God would say, when it comes time to an initiative, a special collection, like like the way, here's what I want you to remember. The first one is this, that it's something that is going to be systematic or planned. Paul used these words, he said, on the first day of every week. Paul knew that if he just waited and he told him, hey, I'm going to you know, show up in a, about 18 months or so and we'll take an offering at that time. And people just had that out of their minds when he was there. Generous people would give, but they'd only be able to give what they could in the moment, right? What they brought with them that day. Paul said, but if we take time to plan ahead, we're going to be able to do so much more together that way. Hence, he said, I want you to plan. I want you to prepare for it that way. Which brings us to the second principle. He said, I want each one of you. When it comes to an initiative like this, the importance is this inclusiveness or everyone. Because Paul realized together we're able to accomplish truly some amazing things. This is an LED panel. 
LED walls in back of me are made up of panels that look just like this, made up a series of a lot of little LED lights in that. In fact, one light in here looks like this. Now, if you were to shut all the lights off in the room, everybody in here would be able to see this one light that's shining. And it would give off something. You'd notice that it was there, but as far as lighting up the room, not as much. But if you go from one, say as in the 2025 vision, to 4,000, this is the difference that it makes. When we as a church work together toward a vision, you go from the difference between one, let's take it back there, you go from what one can do compared to what we can do together. That's how we light the way. And Paul's saying the same thing when it comes to giving. One gift, it always makes a difference, but together what we can do, that's where we can really make impact. Which brings us into his third principle, he said, when it comes to a special offering. He said it should be something that's proportional or a percentage of what we can do. His words were these, that each one should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase before. Not equal giving, but equal sacrifice. You've heard that before? The idea is um, one gift isn't necessarily what's a sacrifice for one isn't for another. For example, if you said, I'm going to give $1,000 toward Light the Way. For some, that means it is going to be macaroni and cheese and no trips anywhere else, you know, no movies, nothing like that, just to be able to do something like that. I mean, $1,000 would be a sacrifice for you. Whereas other people, $1,000 would be like, okay, here you go. And it would not affect their lifestyle one iota. I'm not saying it doesn't make it, you know, it, it doesn't mean it's meaningless to them. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, but it's not a sacrifice for them at all. So rather than looking at what we do as, you know, how much did you give? How much did you give? Paul just said, what would it take for you to actually make a sacrifice for someone else to be able to know Jesus and to be able to find him? Which kind of brings us back to this percentage factor. Now, a couple of percentages, just like starting with FYI. If you were to look at the church in America today, here's what you'd find to be true. That less than 10% give 10% or more. Whereas more than 80% give 2% or less. Now, here's like the genius of percentage giving. If we want to move in the direction of generosity or generous giving... We'll say, say for instance, that we're in that um, 80% group that gives 2%. And I want to go from 2% to 3%. Now that might mean this. If you're making $50,000 a year. If you're making $50,000 a year, you're giving 2% of your income. That would be about $1,000. Basically $20 a week. And you have the place of going like, I'm going to move from 2% to 3%, because I, I, I want to go in the right direction. I'm not at that 10, I'm moving there. Well, by going to 3%, I would go from $1,000 that I'm giving toward Jesus, I'm giving then $1,500 or maybe $30 a week. Percentage helped me to take steps in the direction that I want to be able to go. Now, you might be thinking, 
But what do you do if you got like 0% that you could give, right? I mean, you are in a debt hole. You go like, I've never had things as bad as what it is. I don't know what we're going to do. If that's the case for you, now I'm not gonna say, you know, don't give anything. Cause I don't, wanna, I don't want you to shut yourself off from generosity, but your gifts may be like, it may be a widow's mite type of gift. But what you can do is take advantage of our financial peace courses that we have here. We've got one coming up in just a couple of weeks, November 9th, as a matter of fact. It's a Wednesday at 6.30. It's called, I Was Broke, Now I'm Not. And what this will do is it helps you to be able to take God's principles for managing or stewarding our money and begin to apply them in your life. A lot of us haven't gotten any of this training or education before. If you're married, if you're dating somebody, you're serious about that with that person, by all means, you wanna go to this because this could do more to build your relationship and help you just to understand each other that way as well as begin to build margin in your life that you could be generous from being able to do. One more principle we found here. And that is the universal or the principles that we have. Because Paul started out with these words. I want you to do what I told the Galatian churches to do. And you're like, what did he tell the Galatian churches to do? (laughs) Exactly what we just went through right here. Because Paul was convinced that when you do these things, that you are going to be the recipient of something that is a unique working of God. Now, the reason he had this conviction that he did he was passionate about this is because he'd seen it before. Paul, a little insight, when he first entered into the gospel ministry, the very first church that he was a part of, the church called Antioch, it was the first Gentile church, Barnabas had gotten, invited him to come and to help out. Well, they realized, this Gentile church, that the church in Jerusalem, they were in great need. There was a persecution that was going on, a lot of extenuating circumstances. So they took an offering. They took it over. Paul and Barnabas delivered it to Jerusalem. And they saw two things happen. They saw the gospel go forth and the kingdom of God grow through this gift that this one church was able to do. And when they came back, they also saw this, the way that God worked in each and every person, the blessing that came through each of these people. See, Paul was convinced that, when, that this offering he was doing, it wasn't trying to get something from people, but it was really, really trying to do something for people. I'd carry that same conviction that Paul does today because I've seen over and over again through different initiatives we've done, both of those things occurring. God's work going forward and God's blessing being learned new and afresh in people's lives. So with the initiative that we have in front of us, we said that we had three light magnifying, in other words, we're trying to get back to lighting the way, ways that we're gonna be able to bring light to people um, here in our area. And if you haven't um, been able to uh, join with us over the last couple of weeks, here's what these three projects are. The first one is to be able to take a building, we've got a multi-million dollar building that's just been gifted to us. Now, this is pretty amazing, but it, it's the example of somebody's generosity has set us up to be able to utilize this for God because it wasn't free for them, but they generously gave this, um, this facility to us. 
It's a building that's right in the midst of a sea of households. And in fact, there are within three miles of this building, there are 28,000 households. Now I can tell you this for sure, that 80% of those, they don't attend church anywhere. Which means that you've got over 20,000 households right now, and they don't have any light that's coming into them. Not church, not the online, not anything like that. And here's what began to just the, you know, the numbers are numbers, right? But last week when we did Fallapalooza, I saw hundreds and hundreds of children. And I saw the joy that they were experiencing. I saw the family impact. And I realized they all have the light of Jesus that's coming into their life. And here's where they are, and here's what it's going to do, and here's the help that it's going to be for them and for their families. And for whatever reason, I thought, but what about in this new area around this north campus? I thought of over 20,000 families, and the children that are there, they don't have the light of Jesus that's coming into their lives. Not only does that have effect right now on them, but it's going to affect them when they get to middle school, and it's going to affect them when they get to high school and moving on into college. And the families and the marriages and the relationships that are there, if all you have is to be carried along on the wave of secularism today, well, there's a reason that anxiety is on the rise. There's a reason that suicide is on the rise. There's a reason that we have the darkness and the problems that we have. Which is one more reason why I, I, I feel like we, we, we just have to take the opportunity to light the way in a place that we're able to do that and with such high impact. Very similar to um, the other project that we've got in front of us, which is to be able to build an outdoor Field of Dreams building. And the purpose of this, again, it's connecting children and families with Jesus and with each other. We've got some incredible sports programs we do all throughout the year here, our kids' ministry, our family ministry, and this is going to be another tool in the midst of our field of dreams to be able to help people in finding and following Jesus. And then we've got our Muskego project that'll be taking place. Muskego right now is definitely lighting the way in Muskego, but to help them to keep that light burning brighter, to keep going on for them, we know that these projects are going to make a huge difference. But we don't really want to keep the light here locally. We've said that in these projects, about a million and a half dollars is what we're striving for with this. We're going to take the first 10% right at the top and to be able to put light out throughout the world. I don't know if you know this or not, but we have a number of missionaries that go out from our church, out from Fox River. And they're going to all places of the world. We want to be able to help to support them in bringing the light out there. We want to continue to be able to bring the light into very under-resourced areas to be able to start churches like where Euphorus is at in Milwaukee and others in southeastern Wisconsin. And that's why, again, first fruits of our gifts, we want to go to get that light out to other people. So I just want to ask you, would you pray? Would you ask God for this Lagaya, this special initiative that we're going to do over the next two years? God, what would you have me to do? 
Now, you may be looking still for a little more information and a couple things you can do. Use the QR code. You can jump on that right now as well as to sign up for I Was Broke or Not. You're going to find a website there. It's on our website. We're going to do tours over at the building today from noon to two. So if you want to stop over there, maybe you can put on a little bit of sanctified imagination with me and with others that are there about what all can be taking place here to bring the light in a new and a fresh way. We also have on uh, Thursday... We're going to do an all-church, um, it's kind of like a town hall meeting, but we'll do it online so you can do it in the, um, the resource of your, uh, of your own home or grab your phone wherever you're at at work. If you can take a couple minutes and you've got questions or want to listen to what other people are asking, you can join with us for that. Denise and I, I'll just share with you, for Light the Way, we've thought about and prayed about it and we've had a little bit more time, obviously, than most We've determined to do a proportional giving gift, something that would be sacrificial for us. So for us, over these next two years, what we determined to do would be 30%, so 30% of our income. We'll do 10%, same as we you know, do for Fox River, the mission vision of what's going on here. But in addition to that, we'll take 20% and be able to do that for Light the Way and what can take place through it. Now, I wanna say this. This is something that we can do now that we couldn't have done before in our life. I mean, before, it would have been impossible to be able to do that. For us, this is what we believe is God's challenge to us. This, for us, this is sacrifice. We are all in different and unique places, so please don't let what's intended as words of encouragement become words of like, you know, here's what you gotta do. It's like, no, every one of us just want to listen to God. And if we will, that's when you, as a student, somebody in, in, in college, wherever you're at in life, that's where you can be able to experience what it is that Jesus wants for you to be able to do as you join with him in bringing his word to others. It may seem a bit corny when I say that Jesus has given his all for us. But the truth is that Jesus has. As I mentioned earlier, if you haven't trusted Jesus as your savior, the invitation that he wants you to hear today is this. Come to me. Would you receive that which I so desire to be able to give to you? Not only have I paid the price of your sin, I have suffered the consequences of your hell for you. I want to bring you into a sonship, a daughtership with God. I want to make you a child of God. And I want to be actively at work in your life where you need me today. And so if you haven't received Jesus, I would encourage you to open your life up to him today. For those of us who have, the question that I'm carrying with me is this. What am I willing to give for my friend, my neighbor, for my family to know the working of Jesus personally in their life like I do. Pray with me, please. Thank you, Jesus, that you've modeled what generous giving's about in something that I suppose could get twisted into you know, guilt or shame that you've meant to be a means of life and more. And so I pray that your followers will be able to just say, yes, Lord, 
what would you have me to do? And have that fresh following taken place. Lord, for those that you've given yourself to that are ready to put their faith and trust in you as, you, as their Lord and Savior today, as they pray this prayer of acknowledgement, Jesus, I need your saving grace. I understand that you died on the cross for me. I understand that you've risen from the grave. But right now, I'm asking that that would be something that becomes personal in my life. And as best I understand, I want to ask you, be my Lord, be my Savior today. If that's your prayer, I want to ask you, just raise a hand up high, acknowledging that your prayer is to receive Jesus Christ as your Savior this weekend. Yeah. Thank you again, Jesus, for your working in each of these lives. You would have come just for them, but you've come and done so much more. Help us to together to be able to light the way and to bring your love, Lord, your hope toward those around us. We pray this in your name, Lord. And everybody in agreement said? If you were encouraged by today's talk, be sure to subscribe and share with your friends. Visit us online at foxriverchristian.org or check us out in person. Thanks again for listening to the Fox River Podcast.